Hey, Spotlighters, Mike Cam here, the coolest guy in title insurance and your host of the Morning Spotlight Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We have a great guest that I know is going to absolutely blow you away. If you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button and leave us a review. And remember, when it's time for you to purchase title insurance, there's only one guy you should be calling, and that's me. Check the show notes for my email address. And let's get this train rolling and start the show right now. I've just been handed an urgent news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cam, coming to you as always from the Spotlight Studios here in Morristown, New Jersey. Emergency episode. Not really an emergency episode, but we're going to snake this one in outside of our Tuesday, Thursday format uh, because this is a timely topic that we need to talk about before tax day. So we got a panel. We haven't done a panel, I don't know, since when, like maybe October, maybe November. Maybe that was the latest time we've done a panel, but we got a new panel uh, driven by one of my good friends from the networking world. So we were going to get to everybody, introduce them, um, and we will take it away. So First up, uh, he is the director at Avis and Young and national practice lead for litigation support services, Matthew Ross. Matt, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, he is a 30-year vet, senior VP with Avis and Young, New Jersey Commercial Valuation Group. Bob Huner. Bob, welcome. Hey, thank you, Mike. Nice to be here. Absolutely. Great to have you. And last but certainly not least, one of my good friends in the networking world, he's the owner of Wirtz Property Tax Law in Hoboken, New Jersey, Greg Wirtz. Greg, welcome. Thanks for having me. Happy to be back a second time on the spotlight. Here. Absolutely. And your first time was the first like week ever. Like, so you are one of the OG original guests, Hall of Fame member, Greg Word. So obviously we have high hopes, high hopes for what you're going to bring to the table today. So um, Greg, this was kind of your brainchild where you kind of got with me. We discussed what we were going to do. So what are we talking about today? So we're talking about something that everybody in New Jersey, any, anybody, uh, any landowner in New Jersey is pretty familiar with New Jersey's property taxes. They are once again, the highest in the country. And it is, uh, it's timely because you only get one, one bite at the apple. You have to appeal most properties in the state. April 1st is the deadline. So now is really the time that if, if you think you pay too much, now's the time to find out and to do something about it. Cool. So we're talking taxes. So this is going to be taxes. an electric factory episode. I am jacked up about it, but it's important, right? <laughs> because we're recording this on March 5th. Like I said, we're going to figure out the day that it's actually going to post. And you said April 1st. So that's less than a month away. Um, so obviously we got a lot of stuff that people need to be doing before then to do the um, whatever it was that you just said. So let's talk about property taxes. How are they computed? So every property in the state has an assessment even exempt property. And it's your assessment times your town's tax rate. So every town has its own tax rate. And uh, it's, it's simple math. But what happens is the assessment, everybody thinks the assessment equals your value. So you get your little card in the mail. It could be for your business. It could be for your home. It's say a million dollars, $10 million, whatever it is. And you think, oh, okay. We own, you know, we own our own, say we own our own small office. Okay, we own our own small office. We have a few tenants. 
oh, 10 million, that, that's good. We think the building's probably worth 10 or $11 million. That assessment could mean anything. So the, the assessment, there's, there's a little bit of math involved. They hide the ball just enough, but that $10 million assessment could mean that town thinks you're worth 15 million, 20 million, 50 million. And it's just something that everybody needs to take a look at. It's something that, you know, the three of us here, we're happy to kind of to help with, and we can explain it in, in pretty easy terms, but they just, they hide the ball just enough that a lot of people think, you know, I would pay a lot in taxes, but I think my value is right, but they don't realize what the value is. Got it. So when we're talking assessments, uh, maybe if Matt or Bob, if you guys want to take one of these, what does assessment mean? The assessment, uh, I'll take this one. The assessment is the basis for which the towns, um, they take the annual sales over a certain time period and um, they divide that by the total value that they have on the books and that comes up with a ratio. But ultimately the assessment's based on the fee simple market value, meaning the market value that the general market would dictate. So you could have a lease to your cousin in the building for $50 a square foot. That's not market if the market's only getting $25 a square foot for let's say the small office building like Greg was talking about. So it leaves a lot of room for people that aren't on top of the market day to day. Now's the time to go and look at the market value of the property, uh, especially with all the dips due to the um, closures and the pandemic. Right. So when we're talking assessments and like calculating these property taxes, this is just a question from me because I don't know. So if it's in a, if you, let's just say, you know, use the, the number $10 million, if it's assessed at 10 million, like when do they do those assessments? Is it like every year they're doing an assessment? If is it every five years, does it kind of vary? So like how many, how often are they doing assessments to kind of recalculate your property taxes? I, I'll, I'll give you the lawyer answer. It depends. Okay. Every town, every town is different. Every town and every county. So some towns, they do it every year. It's very expensive. They have to get a lot of uh, appraisers in to do it, but they stay on top of it. So every year you get it, you get a new revaluation and it's a fresh assessment every year, new assessment. And a lot of other towns, they don't want to deal with the, the political fallout and the, the cost. So a lot of towns, it could be five, 10, 20, 30 years in between uh, revaluations. Interesting. Um, so then when, when we're, when we're talking about that, like as we're kind of progressing through and Bob, we're going to get you in at some point here, we'll get you, we'll get you a question for you. Um, so when we're talking about these things, so like when, let's just say that there's a transaction involved and this is because, you know, I deal in a lot of transactions selling title insurance. Is there an assessment then, or is that something that, you know, doesn't necessarily happen? No. No, no. So yeah, no. So um, a sale's not going to trigger a new assessment. You could end up buying for way under, way over. Um, you know, it's again something. It's a good opportunity and a good time to kind of come in and you know talk to talk to me about what the assessment really means versus your purchase price. Uh, and then what I do is I go to Matt and Bob, and they're the real experts on value. Gotcha. All right. So then one of the things that I had, a, I did another episode um, on something similar here a while back. And one of the things that we were talking about was that um, there were towns in New Jersey, and I won't say which towns, because we're not trying to disparage any towns that were suing 
commercial property owners to increase the value of their assessment. Um, is that something that you guys have seen recently? And is that like cool to be doing? I mean, I, to me, it sounds ridiculous and a little bit scary of a precedent to start setting, but um, what, what are some of the stuff that you guys are seeing with that? Bob, do you want to take that one? Uh, well, look, I'll just say that I am not a fan of that practice. Obviously that's uh, uh, it, it just gives you a, a feel for how desperate these towns are for tax revenue, right? They're, they're going out and looking for undervalued property and, and trying to eke out the greatest amount of tax dollars they can. Um, uh, Greg, I mean, you, you probably encounter this more than we do. We tend to be brought in when there's a detachment uh, for market value. Uh, this is, what's, what's the term for this, Greg? The reverse? Um, yeah, a, reverse, reverse appeal. Yeah, reverse so, appeal. So, you know, the thing, to me, the appropriate action, if the towns do a revaluation, they wouldn't need to do this. If they just did a full revaluation, there's no, there's kind of no need to do it. So it's, it's kind of still up there. The courts are still kicking it around and uh, we'll, we'll see if this practice continues. So they'll probably in five years, there'll either be way more of it or none at all. Right. Okay. And that, and we're, when we're talking about that, that they're really mostly just doing that with like commercial properties, right? They're not suing like a homeowner to increase the value of their property for the most part, I would, I would imagine. Right. Generally, generally, it makes more sense. It's expensive. It's expensive for them to file an appeal. So yeah. from the taxpayer side, you know, I take cases that I believe in and they're in contingency. So if it takes a while, that's fine. But if you're a town, you're paying by the hour. So they're, they're, only, they're generally only going after larger, larger things that, you know, they're going to pay their attorneys, uh, you know, by the hour. And then they want to make money. And on, the end game is, of course, making some money. Right. Okay, cool. So when we're talking appeals, what does an appeal do? Who's the one that's actually putting that appeal in? Are there risks to putting in an appeal? Um, I'm not sure who wants to take that one first, uh, but we can kind of kick that around the horn if we need to. Uh, yeah, I could I could uh, start sure. with that. Is there uh, well I'll start with the obvious? Is there a risk to an appeal? There there actually is. I mean, if you go in with a poor case and there's a counter argument to be made, uh, I, I imagine it's fairly rare. But yeah, you are you're you're opening yourself to a potential change in assessment that doesn't go your way. Uh, the other risk, obviously, is the cost. This stuff can get very costly. Uh, it's smarter to, to have a chat with Greg early on, let him evaluate and make us, you know, create a strategy, whether you're going to go uh, directly to the assessor, uh, appeal before your county board, or ultimately take it to the state. You know, all different levels. Uh, we, we always think of tax day is April 15th, but in reality, there's a year-long calendar with different points of weakness or opportunity. Uh, Greg is the expert, and, and, you know, Matt and I have both Work, we, we've worked with them at different stages here to, to best fit the owner, right? I mean, you're not going to break the bank by just having a chat with, with Greg or me or, or Matt to see where you stand. And if you are going to break the bank, if there's a break-even scenario or maybe even a, a risk of loss here, make that decision early on. Just have, just have the conversation. You, you can't be afraid of tax day, per se, in this case. You're always better planning ahead. Right. Yeah. I, I turn away a lot of potential appeals because I, I look at them, I vet them myself, but then I also bring in the experts here. These guys, they, they know the values. They have all the data. They have all the experience. 
you know, they're, they're really experts on valuation. So I, I typically, I, I take a good long look at every potential appeal. So doing that due diligence up front, very important. Is everybody, you can find somebody that'll file for you, but it's not always a good idea. You should, you should have somebody take a real look at it. And, and a lot of times, you know, it's going to say, yeah, you're, you're, not, you're not a good candidate this year. Eventually you will be, but this year you're not. And, and I can say I've been doing this 12, 13 years, and I have not had one case that I filed that resulted in an increase because mm-hmm. of that due diligence. Yeah. Um, so are there like certain red flags in those cases like that you see and you're just like, nope, not this year? Um, or like, are there's more just kind of a case by case basis, depending on the town and type of property and all that kind of stuff. The, the easiest one w- would be, you know, you buy, you buy a building for a million dollars, you're assessed and, and your equalized assessment is 500,000. It was a normal arm's length transaction. It's hard to go in and say, you know, go to, go to the, then go to the assessor and be like, well, they paid a million, but it's really only worth 300,000. You know, that, that's an easy one, but there, there's a lot, you know, normally you don't have a purchase price and the purchase price isn't the only thing that really affects, you know, the market value. You have to dig into all the specifics, which these guys uh, are much better at than I am. But, um, but yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of interesting uh, little, you know, there's a lot, there's always a lot surrounding all the sales and, and, and each property, you know, you, you got to spend some time and really dig into the specifics of it. Right. You know, uh, Mike, I'd, I'd add one thing to that. Uh, yeah, there are, there are some very obvious clues if you look at an assessment and, uh, uh, you know, you know a little bit about values. They're not so obvious to a property owner unless you're, you know, an experienced person. It's like reading a map. You, you need the key. You need to know how to read that key. And, uh, you know, Greg certainly knows, knows how to interpret those signals as well as, well as Matt and me. And, um, you know, I would, just, I would just encourage anybody to get a little help with that because it, it, it may be staring you right in the face. You just don't know how to read it, that you have an appeal or you should definitely stay away from the, those yeah. waters. And to go, you know, bring that a step further, we, we have to take into account our valuation date, which can have very big implications um, for, you know, the value or the overall assessment that you would potentially achieve. For example, we typically work on a retrospective date, which is October 1st of the prior year for property taxes in New Jersey. So even though it's the 2020 tax year and we're facing a huge tax problem last year, the values were based on October 2019 numbers. So you can't take into account the diminution in value uh, because at that point, we didn't know about it. That, right. some, some assessors are more flexible and accommodating, but you know, now that the year has passed and we're looking forward and our valuation date for the current year is gonna be October 1, 2020, where we've realized the impact on the market, things are gonna be shooken up a bit. Yeah. Now's the time. Now, if, if COVID has, has screwed up your property, now is the time. 
put to put it in an appeal. Now is the time to do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, time. so but like, so how do you even? So maybe we can we could we're gonna take it um, and break it out like across all the different um, you know types of properties. But that is one of the things that I think is really interesting because you know last year you're talking about you know last year's stuff was based off of October first of 2019. Obviously, 2019 was a great year. 2020 kind of sucked. Um, and obviously through a lot of wrenches and curveballs and gut punches to a lot of different facets of the real estate industry and every industry, honestly. So how are, has like the process changed? And when I say the process, I don't mean like, you know, like what you guys do behind the scenes to kind of help these property owners, but like, you know, how are they, how are maybe, like, maybe it's just a case by case basis again, but how are assessors looking at that and taking into account the fact that like 2020 obviously shifted a lot of, you know, um, you know, where people live and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't think, at least in my opinion, I think that a lot of the the dust is going to start to settle, not this year of 2020. I think it's going to take a while for it to actually kind of come to fruition. So from a tax perspective, what we're talking about today, what do you guys think about, about that? Well, you know, to first, first go off and answer your first question, it really is a case by case basis in many instances. It depends on what the town is looking for in terms of tax revenue to meet their needs. Uh, so, you know, it varies, I would say, from municipality to municipality. That being said, some of the heaviest hit sectors are, you know, hospitality. So your hotels and motels, um, you know, a lot of the retail that was shut down due to the, to the closures or at limited capacity. Um, landlords aren't able to collect on rents because people can't afford them. So, you know, there's a lot of things that have impacted values in a negative way. At the same time, other industries like the industrial industry with the supply chain networks, getting uh, goods shipped to and from, you know, you got a big Amazon boom going on right now. Those are less advisable to go after right now because you know, the towns are going to be leaning on them for the rateables since they haven't been as impacted as other uh, asset classes. You know, the, uh, uh, the bottom line is, like Matt said, these towns are being squeezed for money. Uh, if you find these, these uh, municipalities are conversational and willing to work with you, then maybe they're a little, little healthier. The towns that are in, in dire straits are likely to fight you over the breadcrumbs. You know, just imagine two birds fighting over a little piece of bread. Uh, that's what it comes down to. It, probably the sweet spot for commercial property. If, if you're the biggest tradable in town, you're going to have a fight to the death. Uh, if you're if you're in that middle to low tier, and, and Greg, tell me if you agree with this. I think you have a great opportunity to go in there and negotiate based on reasonableness. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a lot of a lot of success with that, and, and and I like to go in fast with and early with the assessors. I, I feel like the more the more time you can get in front of them, the more time you, you you get to them right away. You don't stack up the years. You know, I like to move these cases very quickly. Some of them they they can you know they can drag on a couple of years, but really, if you can get in there quickly, I think the towns appreciate it, and you're more you're more likely to, to work a deal if you come in reasonably and you but you come in fully fully supported backed up by experts you know so you have a real number and if you can prove your real number and you get in there quickly the assessors have been fairly fairly um, reasonable and listening and, and trying to work with 
work with the you know us and the, the owners you know that like to, to matt's point the industrial we've had a lot of those where they've had you know the values are going up and the assessments are going up and that's just the reality of it but you have to make sure they don't go up too much yeah so yeah it, it's been it's it's a constantly kind of moving mosaic right Okay, cool. So, I mean, Matt kind of started broached the subject a little bit, but let's kind of break it out into some different asset classes and we'll kind of get your guys' perspectives on each of these. Um, you know, Greg, you sent me over a couple that you wanted to talk about. And I think each of them are very uh, interesting in, in their own way um, because of how much, you know, like the way people work, the way people consume goods, the way people do different things um, has shifted so fast in just the last year. And to me, it's like an acceleration of a lot of trends, but I do think that there's a lot to be said for, you know, the way that we're looking at things moving forward. So um, it looks like we're all sitting at home, right? So let's just take the office market first, uh, because obviously, I mean, I've been in the office maybe one time since March of last year. Um, and that was to like walk in, pick up some mail and leave. So I probably have another stack of mail in there somewhere, but um, so let's talk about the office market. So um, how are you guys, I mean, maybe we can kind of go the, how offices are traditionally valued and then maybe looking forward to kind of see what those changes might look like, if that's something that we can talk about. Um, so maybe, I don't know, who wants to talk, uh, talk about offices first? We're gonna get to a bunch. So we could all kind of, again, like kick this one around. So maybe Bob, you want to take this one first? Sure, sure. Yeah, so office, obviously, there's a huge range of uh, quality, finish, segment, et cetera. Uh, the, the bottom line that we're, we're seeing now, now offices, like, like Matt said earlier, everything is valued on fee simple at, at a stabilized number, right? So this COVID is really uh, an interesting development. It's not as if you can factor in some black swan event like COVID uh, and call it a stabilized property with this type of normal problem in its, in its future. Uh, it's created some interesting opportunity to, to present a different argument in front of these tax assessors in the court. Uh, can we reasonably work in this temporary dip and yet still look at a stabilized asset for, for appeal purposes? I think the answer is yes. I, I, in fact, it may even create more potential for appeal to go in on that argument, right? Uh, offices just from our perspective as appraisers have been right sizing, moving towards a right sizing trend over years, right? I mean, I've been a remote worker now for 10 years. So the idea that lack of demand is hurting that office segment uh, is true, but not as devastating as it was on say retail or, or some of the other space, because we've already been moving towards lesser demand for office, right? Less need for office. Uh, that said, it's also uh, extremely hard hit. I mean, the office, as you know, if you're in any kind of crowded space, it's uh, occupancy dependent, which is a, a terrible situation for, for this COVID, right? You can't, can't you got to distance yourself. Uh, one case of COVID and the office shuts down. That actually happened in a, a Morristown to a group I know. They had to shut the office for seven days. You know, fine for the business. They don't, they don't get use out of the office. Uh, that puts tremendous stress on the business and then ultimately the landlord who's not getting his rent. There, there's, it's always worth a look for the office market, but don't, don't shoot for the moon. I think that, that the trends over long term have been towards a, a, a lesser demand and that is affecting prices anyway. Uh, you know, I guess if there was a segment that might be hardest hit, uh, Class B, Class A and B is my guess, the most occupancy dependent space out there. Uh, 
the smaller, like one-off guy in a, in his own office, he's generally not not too affected by this thing. But his personal book of business might be might be hard hit. Like like you, Mike. You, we were talking before, right? I mean, uh, you're working remote. You have a, you're part of a, a, a very specific uh, business. Uh, your your clients are disrupted, so that means you're disrupted, whether you're in that space or not. Right. Uh, B and C. I'm sorry. Uh, a and B office space of any size definitely worthwhile taking a look at this. It's a huge savings to the bottom line. And everybody needs that now. Anybody want to jump on that, or was that just like the perfect answer about mm -hmm. office? He pretty much hit the nail on the head. I think you know just to add to it. Uh, it's the way we can approach these values now because of this black swan event. As Bob had mentioned, there are some unique opportunities here where we can go in and evaluate, okay, how, how much is this going to be impacted and for how long to come with a reasonable argument to the assessor and try to work with them uh, to work with us to come out with ultimately something that's fair. Gotcha. All right, let's talk about multifamily now. I live in a multifamily building, um, you know, so let's talk about that. Greg, you want to take that one first? How many how many months free can you get on a, on a lease? I, I don't know. Okay, no? So we, we've seen, especially the high-end high and the more urban multifamily, I've seen, I have, I have clients who, they, you know, uh, 12, 13 months ago, you know, they have people knocking down the doors. And now... They have to give two, three, even four months free rent uh, just to just to make sure the buildings are operating at a high uh, a high capacity. So it I think it depends on on the the, the type you know in the class and, and the location. But you know really the, the the high end the high end urban stuff I think has been hit pretty hard. Um, but maybe. You know, more suburban garden garden apartments probably much less. But you know, the way that that's valued for tax purposes, it's it's very very much based on your actual revenue. So a lot of these owners, if they had a big hit last year, there's a real opportunity for them. Um, I would Matt Matt and and Bob would probably know way more of the specifics, but I I just know from from my own clients, I've seen quite a bit. Uh, the revenue numbers year over year. Some of them it's been relatively unchanged and others it's really, really moved. Yeah, well, I will say there has been a housing boom with the uh, transition of people out of the, uh, the five boroughs and the urban areas down to the suburban areas. This is happening, especially along the coastal region and in Monmouth County. Uh, you're seeing prices for single-family homes skyrocket and demand for condos and uh, rentals. You can't even get a rental around here because summer's right around the corner. But other areas of the market have been absolutely impacted, especially, as Greg had mentioned, the urban areas and the high-end um, luxury rental market has been impacted. Uh you know, mainly because people have uh, had a great buying opportunity with the interest rates remaining low. Uh, there was kind of a rush when we had a lot of New York residents come down here. So that has pumped up prices down this way. But 
in other markets, you're really looking at the overall revenues. So if there's a dip year over year, like Greg said, um, you have potential opportunity here because generally speaking, the apartment rents in the apartment market adjust daily, even if not, you know, weekly, daily, based on the competition and demand for the market. So your actual rents that you're receiving are tip typically reflective generally of the market. Gotcha. Mike, you, you should reach out to us uh, about your own about your own rent. These guys yeah, have all the apparently. rent numbers. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, like I got a, uh, a $30 credit, uh, rent credit uh, for the first year, which was, you know, something, not much, but it was something compared to what I actually pay. Um, and then I just, uh, this is my second year of my lease, and I tried to negotiate the rent down because they wanted to increase my rent. Um, and I was like, no. And uh, they said, well, we're, and I was like, what if we brought it all the way down? They run like a special on one of the apartments. I digress because this is just a personal story, but um, they said, well, we're at full capacity anyway. So, you know, it's either take what we're trying to give you. I, they wound up just leaving it, leaving the rent as is. Um, but that was what I ran into. But that Morris sounds like it's its own kind of animal, right? Because it's, it has like that, the space that I think people want. And I think that it also yeah. has like, you know, you can live in an apartment and do all the things that you want to do and go to restaurants and bars to a certain degree, you know, um, and be close to a lot of stuff, but also not be like a Hoboken, Jersey City, obviously Manhattan, where you're just like on top of everybody in a shoebox apartment. So I have a nice spot. So I think that might be like a little bit of where like the differences are, I guess. But, yeah. you know, if you guys yeah. think you can, you can get me some free rent, then hell yeah. Well, yeah. let's 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 talk. <laughs> <laughs> Knowledge is power. Exactly. Is power. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move into another one. Uh, and I think we touched on it earlier. Uh, retail. So the retail spaces, um, you know, obviously that's been like, that's gotta be one of the most interesting ones, at least to me, just because, you know, like the way that everything's operated, different businesses being shut down, some businesses being open, you know, restaurants having to operate a certain capacity, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So like, let's talk about that. And, you know, maybe Bob, if you want to take that one, since we didn't get you in the last question and you gave such a good answer on the one prior. So what do you got on retail? Yeah. So retail is such an interesting animal, right? Again, you have all different types from the freestanding single tenant building up to the shopping center. Uh, owners of these properties may not be totally uh, savvy to their ability to appeal. I mean, when Matt and I go out and look at something like this, you look at the health of an anchor, right? In years past, the anchor carried the center, right? But the inline uh, units, the smaller, the pizza guy, the laundromat, the, uh, the nail salons, they contribute sometimes 40, 60% of a center's total revenue. Those guys are just gasping for air, right? If, if the collection loss, uh, I forget, I, I, according to, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with TREP, uh, they report uh, uh, collections or delinquencies past 30 days. Uh, retail numbers were through the roof. Uh, you, you know, this, the more stable environment was industrial, multifamily is pretty stable still. But retail, uh, definitely is a challenge. These type of things, as you move forward, create terrible instability, right? I mean, your anchor is signed to generally a 10, 15, even a 20-year deal. Uh, that said, if they can't function, if you have an off-brand anchor, uh, they're, in, they're in danger of default. That, that creates a hole in your center. And then you, can't, you can no longer rely on this dispersed risk among your smaller tenants. 
because these pizza guys, these other guys, they're not, they're not healthy anymore. They, you can't go in, you can't sit down. You know, I, I would, let me, let me take a step back. I would carve out these pizza guys in any decent restaurant. Cause let's face it, it, it the, the ability to turn it into a takeout place for some of my favorite restaurants is amazing. These guys are doing killer business in this environment. Yeah. That doesn't say much though, for the, for the center or the strip center or the two tenant mixed use building owner who is just not being paid. You know, I, I mean, these guys are gasping for air. They need, they need relief. Uh, municipalities that are reasonable and smart, frankly, would work with these guys for some time of some type of interim relief. And that's where Greg really has the advantage. I mean, you know, it's just a conversation. It doesn't have to be adversarial with the town. Uh, I think a little bit of reasonableness on both parts and, and we kind of get through this. Uh, Greg, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think that's part of your strategy, right? Is to, is to see whether we can maybe negotiate this out before you start to punch each other in the face with uh, absolutely threats. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, the, the quicker and sooner we can, we can get in there and be reasonable, the better. And the way that the system is set up, it's hard for the assessor sometimes to change the assessments. So even if they feel that something might be overassessed, I've had assessors who have, have been pretty frank and said, hey, thanks for filing on this. I, I saw it was out of whack, but you know, for, for various reasons, you know, they can't just be moving, moving the assessments without going through a whole compliance uh, issue with the state. So I, you know, some, some towns are, are more proactive than others, but, but other, some of them, they, they kind of appreciate that you're, you know, equalizing the system. So, you know, it, it, it's funny because some people are a little shy to appeal, you know, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to upset the town, but sometimes the towns like it because they, oh, they, they want to have everything be at the correct value. Yeah. And, and Greg, also maybe you want to add that, uh, that ability to, what he's talking about is these, these assessors face a cliff when they no longer have the ability to talk to you about adjusting that assessment uh, out of, say, the formal setting. There, there is a definite cutoff date. I guess it's when the uh, municipality files their, their assessment with the county board that suddenly you no longer have that ability. Uh, so yeah. don't wait. Just, uh, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're under pressure, and it's crushing you, uh, you know, I would, I would absolutely call Greg and just say, you know, where are we in the assessment calendar? And can we, can we do something uh, at something low cost or medium, you know, just give me, give me an outlook. Yeah. And I always talk to everybody for free. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt to call. Uh, so you, you, don't, you don't charge. That's, that sounds good. Free consultation. Yeah. When we got to bring in the, the experts, they're going to cost you some money. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're going to get a good return on that investment. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, what I was going to add to that is that with these shopping centers, a lot, a lot of them are being carried by grocery anchors or an anchor uh, like Target. Uh, so, so some of the market is remaining healthy, but every single retail tenant should read their lease because in many instances they're allowed to trigger an assessment them, uh, or an appeal themselves. If they feel the building owner is not acting proactively, they can go on behalf of the property owner in many instances and reach out to Greg or you know, one of us and trigger the appeal for the property. Yeah, and, and 
why that matters, Mike, is because, you know, based on the terms of your lease, right? If you have, you have what's called triple net terms, the taxes on that center are being fed right back to you directly. Uh, that's, that's another, another reason the landlord, you know, they may, they may shy away from filing an appeal because they're passing that burden on to their tenants. Uh, if you as a tenant feel that you're being killed on these, these taxes, uh, you do have recourse. You can, like, just like Matt said, you can, you can read that lease and, and take it into Greg and just have a conversation. Right. I think that's a great point because that's something that I did not know. I mean, a lot of this is stuff that I did not know before we started it, but that is, I think, something that's really important. Um, just kind of like, I mean, I don't know. I, I walk around town here in Morristown quite a bit. Um, you know, you have some areas that are still, you know, seemingly doing well. I mean, they're still open after a year of going through all this stuff. And I think Morristown did do a good job with trying to like help everybody out. But um, but then you have like the other side where that Century 21 used to be like that whole strip is pretty much vacant now, um, which is yeah. sad to see. But, you know, um, that's just you know, my two cents on what the town looks like, but all right. So uh, before we kind of get into our closing segment here, I do want to ask one, uh, a couple more questions. Um, so as we're, you know, like if pe people are listening to this episode, obviously, you know, like you said, April 1st was the filing deadline, right? Am I saying that right? Yep. Um, so they got less than a month, right? Yeah. So they got less than a month between when this episode is going to post and uh, April 1st. So out of the three of you, and I think I already know the answer, like who's the first guy we should be calling if, if I'm, if I want to know more about this um, and need to, you know, some assistance in, in taking this forward. Is that you, Greg? That'd be Greg. Greg. And yeah. then, then you would bring right. in, yeah. Then you yeah. would bring in uh, guys like Matt and Bob to, to help you out with your stuff. Right. Right. So, so when I do that due diligence and, and you know, and I can turn it over, I get them filed pretty quickly, a day or two. Um, and again, some, some, not every property is April 1st. So some, some towns, if you have a revaluation, it's May 1st. And then a couple of the counties, it's actually in January. So just, just don't wait. You know, if, if you reach out, even if we, if we miss it this year, we can line it up where maybe I could talk to the assessor before the next year's book cl books close and we can get your reduction without even an, doing an appeal. So there, there's a lot of there's a lot of options. A lot of people always wait. You know, phone always gets busier as we get you know further further into March. But um, you know, I am able to file them. You know, in a day, two days. But uh, but don't wait. You know, reach out and, and see. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, opportunity there. Right, proactive rather than reactive for sure. So and it just has to be filed prior to April first. It's not like it has to be done and all that before. Right. Right. Okay. Right. So we got, so we'll file it. And then the proofs aren't due until uh, before hearing date. Okay. So we can file and then we're, we're going to get, uh, you know, expert report and, and really go in there. We've got plenty of time. Awesome. All right, cool. All right. So let's move the show into our closing segment, which we call under the spotlight. So we do this for every single one of our episodes. And honestly, it's one of my favorite things to do because we always get like, this is where like the, the nuggets come out like the good, you know, ideas, the good thoughts, the good notes, whatever. Um, so under the spotlights, so we're going to put each of our guests here, Matt, Bob, and Greg all under the spotlight. And they're going to give the spotlighters their one tip moving forward on commercial property taxes, appraisals, whatever they think that is the most important thing. Maybe something we've covered already. They think is really important. Maybe th made something we have not covered um, and they want to make sure that we touch on it. So Matt, we're going to start with you. I know it's a lot of pressure to be the first one out of the gate. Yeah. Um, yeah so you're <laughs> under the spotlight. So what do you got for us? All right. So I would say, obviously, just like Greg said, do not wait. Um, the other thing is to keep your expectations in check 
keep them reasonable. Remember, everyone has been impacted because of this. Um, so keep your expectations reasonable going in and stay on top of the market. Awesome. Bob, how about you? You're under the spotlight. Yeah, I would say for the commercial stuff specifically, plan out your tax year. Uh, there are hurdles that, that have to be met beyond April 1st. There's uh, every commercial property owner will get what's called a chapter 91 form request from the town every year. If you don't, up, if you do not file that, you will lose your right to appeal. Uh, it, it's, it's just, it's a barrier put out there by the assessing community specifically. It, it probably washes out what 20, 30% of their mm -hmm. potential cases mm -hmm. without any effort whatsoever. Pay attention to those forms, get them in on time or consult Greg about just tax appeal management planning. Awesome. Greg, take us home, buddy. Put a bow on this episode. Just give me a call. Your own, your own property in, in the state. I'm happy to take a look for you. The only, it doesn't hurt. The only thing I can do is uh, either lower your taxes or they'll stay the same. So not, nothing to lose. I like that. Shameless plug by Greg. Love it. <laughs> Was that, I think you like, maybe the first time I ever met you, you said like, you're the only attorney that people actually like to get a phone call from or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am one of the few attorneys that people like to get a phone call from. So. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always Absolutely. like when you call me, it's not always about property taxes, but you know, we usually have some good conversations for sure. So, um, all right. So that's going to wrap up the show. I will make sure that I put everybody's contact information in the show notes. So Matt, Bob and Greg, just so that they have it. Um, and if they do have questions and want to reach out, they can do so. Um, obviously you just heard also all this great information. I learned a lot. I always do on these, on these episodes. Um, so Matt, Bob, Greg, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank Thanks you, for having us, Mike. Who knew taxes could be so fun? Exactly. Electric episode. I had expected <laughs> nothing less. Um, and make sure to go to the website, themorningspotlight.com. Check out the uh, uh, the website there. Reach out to the show through the form. Um, if you want to be a guest on the show or want to hear us talk about a specific topic. Um, and Spotlighters, thanks for listening. And we will catch you next time. I want to tell you about Fat Brother Soap. You know, way back in the day, and I'm talking caveman days, humans used to bathe under roaring waterfalls under the clear blue sky. Now many of us are stuck in a tiny shower in an overcrowded city, and the guys over at Fat Brother Soap have had about enough. Carefully selected by the Fat Brother himself, these soaps contain all natural ingredients like sunflower, coconut, lemon, and more. Remember, it is never too late to leave boring, mediocre body washes that are filled with chemicals behind and get back in touch with your inner caveman. Go to fatbrothersoap.com to learn more and join the Fat Brother family. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the morning spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.